Hi, and welcome to the Fuck It All podcast. My name is Casey Let Gordon, and I'm your host. This podcast is a conversation with modern women redefining what it means to have it all. And today I'm not only your host, but I'm also your guest. And I can tell you, um, I'm having coffee. It's 8.45 uh, on a, a Thursday morning. I just dropped my daughter off at school. And I can tell you there is nothing more awkward than sitting in your guest room by yourself, talking to yourself about yourself. So bear with me, got a little nerves this morning, but I wanted to take a time, take the time to, to share a little context into who I am as your host of the, the podcast. What, what was the catalyst to start this and how I'm actively redefining what it means to have it all for myself. So I'll I'll start with where I am today. I am a 31-year-old mother of one. My daughter Tallulah is a year and a half. I am married to what I think is the best guy out there, Blake Gordon, and he and I've been together for 8 years, married for 4. And really over the past 8 years, I think that, you know, I have redefined what it means to have it all so many times over. And this version of it today, so much of it was a catalyst be uh the catalyst of having my daughter, but who I am today is is what I'm most excited about and these are the stories I want to tell. So I'll start from the beginning. Um I am from a a smaller town in Virginia. I grew up outside of DC. My family is, you know, modern at best. My mom and dad were both married prior, had children 15 years or so later, got together and had me. Um, then they divorced and my mom is remarried and I have two stepsisters. So all in, we are four girls and two boys plus all of their spouses. So we are a big crew. And I think that growing up in a blended family, you learn love and, and love as the, the first thing and then a difference of opinion or, you know, different backgrounds as a second. And, and one thing I can say is, you know, our crew, we don't agree on everything. We, we come from different experiences. We have very different, you know, lives today, but we love each other immensely. And, um, you know, we may disagree, but you better not say anything bad about, about someone because we, we have their back and, and we'll lay down the hammer. <laughs> um, I, my parents, you know, the, the relationship that I have. So I grew up really an only child with siblings much older than me. So I grew up with a lot of expectation, a lot of love, but a lot of expectation. I was, the first one of my immediate family to um, get a four-year degree and then go on to do my master's and move away. Uh, most of my family still lives in in Virginia, where I'm from. And I think early on, I recognized, you know, both my parents came from very humble beginnings. Um, my mom had a really rough childhood and I knew how much expectation and hope they had for me. And early on, I found I derived so much joy and so much validation and, and identity from bringing them joy, helping them see that, that, you know, the world is bigger because of the things I was accomplishing. I had the chance, you know, at 12 years old to go to Europe on a student trip. I um, studied abroad in college. I 
was involved in clubs and sports, you know, there was rarely a thing that they, they didn't encourage me to go do growing up. I, I did beauty pageants and now I, I scoff at them a bit, but I'll tell you, I, I saw it as a way out. I saw it as an accelerant to where I wanted to go. And for me growing up, what it all meant was a bigger life than what I had. It was being financial was always front and center to me being financially sound, independent, um, having a career, being creative. Those were other big things for me. Um, I wanted to, to live in a city. I I know that was a big part of it. I, in my mind, definitely had a partner. Um, Kids played a role off and on. At one point I was pretty adamant that I didn't want children. I just wanted the freedom to, to do whatever I wanted to do. And I reflect on that now um, because when I, I met Blake, you know, my now husband, it was so organic for me to want children with him. But at the time that I was really on that track of, of, I just want it to be me. I wonder if it's because I did grow up with so many expectations that to be able to just do whatever my heart desired, that was it all. And it's, it's funny. I was having a conversation on an episode yesterday and as women, you know, we so often the roles around us define who we are, daughter, um, friend, sister, student, mother, boss, et cetera. And as we grow in our lives, you take on more of those roles. And I, I wonder, you know, if I'm coming back to that, to that younger version of myself now that says I may have taken on all these roles and I may have done a really good job, but I still yearn for that independence and that freedom. And I, I think that's maybe it's been kind of cool to see myself come back to that. So that's, that's where I grew up and I, um, I was so ready to get out. And I think that that excited my parents. I think they've always admired this, this desire to run, but I think it also scared them, um, of how much I wanted to get out. And I think that that, you know, I, as a parent now myself, I I have a lot of empathy for how that must've felt a lot of pride, but also a lot of fear because it's something so different than what they had. What I can say they both gave me was a super strong work ethic. Um, My ambition has been one of the things that has defined me most prominently throughout my life. And I, I, you know, for a while recently wanted to get away from ambition, but I actually don't think it's ambition that I want to get away from. I love that part of myself, but it's the expectation of what that ambition has to lead to. So if it's not super successful, if I'm not, you know, a founder, if I'm not well-known, then that means it's not successful. And, And I think I've had to separate those. I, um, I've always been told, you know, despite how ambitious and hardcore I can be about, you know, academics or or achievement, I've always been told from my parents, from boyfriends, from friends that I'm I'm too sensitive. And um, gosh, you're so sensitive. You take everything to heart. I, I didn't mean it that way. And for a while, I thought there was something, you know, wrong with me. And what I've come to realize is my sensitivity is actually my magic. I feel so deeply for those around me, sometimes to my own detriment, but all the things that I feel in the negative side, I also feel on the positive side. And so, you know, sensitivity allows me to see people. It allows me and my desire to be generous. Um, I feel happiness deeply. And I've had to do a lot of work to make sure my sensitivity and my empathy doesn't, doesn't become ruinous because it can, I can feel so deeply. And sometimes, you know, as someone who, um, who very much derives validation and self-worth from external 
approval. Um, empathy can be a negative thing because I, I have so often wanted to make other people happy that if they're un, if they were unhappy, even from something that I had no ability to control, that I took that as a commentary on my self-worth. I'll give a, a really tangible example. My dad is not in the best health. And for years I have played a role of, of caregiver and of, of cheerleader to do better. And his inability to want to get healthy has nothing to do with me. He loves me deeply. Um, I, I think if, you know, at his core, he does want to be around, but his inability to take his health seriously, to do certain things, I have felt as a personal failure. And I've had to do a lot of work to separate those that you can feel sadness for someone else, but you don't have to feel responsibility. And divorcing those has been has been really helpful over my journey. And I, you know, I sound super profound now. It's it's therapist words that I'm regurgitating here. So my it all has evolved. So let's start, you know, like I said, at the beginning, it was very much achievement oriented. I wanted to get out. And so I saw two ways of doing that. I saw academics and opportunity that, you know, if I, I had my education, nobody could take that away from me. And I um, did beauty pageants, which I saw as an accelerant to, to reach where I wanted to, to go, which was in journalism. And so, but you have to recognize that um, academics is a super intensive, you know, expectation environment. And then pageants are as well, is physically looking a certain way, having a certain polish, not saying the wrong thing, being diplomatic. And so those were some of the things that I think became ingrained in me very early on, as well as the rep, the, the expectation I carried or, or the hope I carried of all those around me that I was going to do something different. And I did in a lot of ways. And so fast forward to, to my early twenties, I moved to Atlanta. I, I did my undergrad at Virginia tech grad school at Elon in North Carolina and then moved to Atlanta. Um, very early on, I made amazing friends here. I um, I met my husband the very first weekend here. And what I thought was going to be a very transient moment in time in this city became really the foundation for who I am today. I, I graduated with about 100000 in student loan debt. And so I was very motivated to pay that off. And I felt that if I can become financially sound, um, then that would be the freedom that I was looking for because I would be a badass at my job. I thought that it would um, allow me to, you know, have the lifestyle I wanted. And I went on about a 10 year sprint to do that. I, I did, I last year paid off hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. I, um, right before I had my daughter almost two years ago, now a year and a half ago, I was promoted to senior vice president of strategy. So I got a promotion as I was going out on maternity leave, which, I mean, that was a moment of, if I have it all, fuck yeah, I do. Um, and then, you know, I was the breadwinner in our family. We bought a beautiful home in a great neighborhood, like all of the things on paper that you would say, like, damn, she's got it going on. Yet there have been several moments over the eight years my husband and I have been together and, and God love him because he's a trooper through it, that I have fell into deep depression. I have fell into you know days that I cannot get into out of bed. I have, um, I, I, I'm very cautious with how I say this, not suicidal thoughts, but certainly thoughts of understanding how people get there. Um, my anxiety being so high, um, just feeling like I'm, I'm almost on vibrate like this, this energy. And 
I've done a, I did a lot of work, you know, when I, I first realized that I wanted to become a mother, which was probably about four years ago when my husband and I got married, I had a nervous breakdown because I said, I am so neurotic. I am so wired to be achievement oriented. I'm so ambitious that I don't have any room in my life to have a child. And I would be doing a disservice to bring a kid into this environment. And so I put, you know, I'm a big person, a big resolution person every year. I, I don't necessarily say what I want to achieve, but I say, what do I want more of? And what do I want, what do I want to let go of? And that year I wanted more space to allow room to, to bring in what, you know, what would be my daughter. And I, I focused on that a lot. I did a lot of therapy. God love my therapist. Um, my husband and I actually just started going to her for couples therapy, um, which I strongly recommend, but that meant I had to, to give her up as my personal therapist. So I'm, I'm mourning the loss of my beloved Dr. Wallace and, um, and I, I got a coach. I worked with a career coach and I found out that there was power in asking for what I wanted. Um, I'll give a, an anecdote. And this is the first time I started to realize my power as a person, not just as all the expectations put on me. Um, about a year before I had my daughter, I knew that I eventually wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to have something of my own. And so I was really restless at my job. And I um, I went to my boss at the time and I, I you know, I, I feel for anybody that's managed me because no doubt I, I require a lot. I have a lot of expectation and need, but um, I've had some awesome bosses who have poured into that. And, and honestly, some not so awesome bosses who, who have found that overwhelming. Um, but with that, I shared with him pretty honestly what I needed. I said, I need to have ownership of something. I need to feel like I have something of my own. And to his credit, he said, okay, you can have, you know, full reign over this part of the business. What if you could have that be yours? You could be the face of this part of our organization. And um, that freedom and that empowerment that came, one, somebody believed in me, but two, I believed in myself enough to ask for what I wanted. There's a, one of my favorite Madonna quotes is most people don't get what they want because they don't ask for what they want. And so that lesson in, in saying, just ask the worst they can say is no, was one of the first steps for me in redefining what it meant to have it all, because I started to get a lot more self-worth that didn't come from someone else, but by keeping the promise to myself that I was going to, that I was going to honor what I, I needed to be happy. So I, um, I'm jumping around a lot and, and, you know, hopefully you're having as much coffee as I am so you can follow. <laughs> um, so I, this is okay. We're in 2020 now that's probably 2017, 18 that I'm having these conversations. Um, 2018, I get pregnant with my daughter, 2019, I have her, like I said, I was promoted right before I went out. So I I'm feeling on top of the world, right. I have amazing husband, beautiful home kick-ass job, great salary. Um, I'm off with my, my, the coolest chick I've ever known, which is my daughter. And I, um, I feel super empty. I go back to work September of last year. Um, and I, I think I had maybe some late onset postpartum and I fall into a pretty dark depression by the end of the year. Um, it all came to a head for me in, in late December, early January. And thank God I had a really strong support system that I was able to share this with, but I was driving home from work and I was going to get on the, the 75, 85 southbound ramp for those of you that are in Atlanta. So the main highway. And I had this, this flicker of a moment that just said, what if I, I don't make the turn and I just keep going and run off the rails. And 
it wasn't, again, I'm so cautious with talking about suicide. I have people in my you know life that have gone through that and it's not, no, no matter to take lightly, but it was a moment that I said, I wish something bad would happen to me. So I did not have to be the one to disappoint everyone around me by saying I didn't want this anymore. I, the job I had been, you know, building something new, but when I came back, I was just running it and I didn't feel the same fulfillment. I felt like my priorities had shifted. Um, I, I seriously thought, do I want to be a stay at home mother, which had never occurred to me. And honestly, I felt like a failure, like what a waste of potential that you want to stay home now. I was pretty fucking furious that I felt that way. Like what was society's expectations that the most natural thing of a mother wanting to be with her child felt like a failure. And I was so worried that my husband who had loved loves and had fallen in love with this ambitious, passionate, you know, hardcore um, woman, would he still love me the same if I was no longer her? And so I, I was in this identity crisis and I truly wanted something terrible to happen. There's a great scene. If you watch um, working moms on, on Netflix, it's a Canadian show. And um, there's a, one of the women, Frankie, she, she, um, talks about motherhood. And she said, you know, it's, it's like you're on a plane and you're looking out and it's so beautiful. And then you just want to crash into a side of a mountain and you don't want like to die, but you would take like a 10 day coma. And at the time I first watched that, I just had my daughter. I thought, oh my God, that, that bitch is crazy. And then by the time the end of year came, I said like, I'm Frankie. And so I came home that day and I told my husband, I said, listen, I, I thought about driving off the, the side of the road and he said, okay, this is not, this is not sound. We got to come up with a plan. I also told dear friends of mine that, that, that had crossed my mind and, you know, I wasn't in a good place. And again, asking for what you want, just being honest. I had people around me that loved me deeply that said in the, as soon as they heard that they said, fuck everything else, whatever you need to, this world doesn't exist. And our happiness doesn't exist if you're not here. That's what Blake said. He said, you know, I, I fell in love with you and yeah, that version of you may be gone, but you not here, that doesn't make sense in my world. And, and that clicked me. And I, I also thought about my daughter, like, you know, Glennon Doyle, I'm, I'm doing so many quotes today, but Glennon Doyle has a, in her book untamed is that motherhood, you are a role model, not a martyr. And that to me is I, I've taken that on so heavily of, you know, since becoming a mom, any of the things I'm faced with, I think about it through the lens of would I want my daughter to feel the same pressure? Would I want her to feel so terrified to disappoint me that she would live an unhappy life? God, that brings me to tears almost. The answer is no, I, I don't want that. And so I went on a journey um, starting this year. I've been on so many journeys, gosh, so many fuck it all moments, but um, my it all, I, I just wrote down what I want. I, um, at the beginning part of this year, I have it dated. I think it's like January 20th. I wrote down a list of, of probably two pages worth of things I wanted. And these were things all the way from, you know, I want to leave the company I'm at to start some, a business focused on women to, I want more intimacy and date nights with my husband to, I want to have one-on-one time with my best friend. And I want to call and catch up with my sisters. And, and it, it was, there was nothing too small or too large on this list. And I put the list away and then I went back to work, you know, coronavirus hits uh, the world in March. I, I kind of say, okay, Casey, you just got to sit put because stay put because we don't know what's going on with the world. But on those notes, I wrote that in July, by mid-year, I would leave 352, the company I was at at the time, and I would go start something for women. 
And wouldn't you know it that August 1st, I, um, I told my boss that I was going to resign um, first week of August that I needed to resign. And I stumbled across this journal um, the week prior to that. And I said, holy shit. I put this out in the world. And this was, you know, my first experience with, with kind of manifesting what I wanted. And I went through that list. And, you know, if there were a hundred items on there, I'd checked off 85 organically without even thinking of them. But because I had written them down, I think there's a stat that if, if you write something down, you're 42% more likely to do it. And they put it in in terms of, you know, if you had cancer and they told you something that you did was 42% likelihood to, to cure you, why wouldn't you do it? And so I, um, I wrote it down and I've, I've put that into practice since of, you know, writing down both gratitude and things that I want. And I, I'm very specific in that. And so I put it out in the world that July, I wanted to leave August. I did September 18th is my, was my last day today is, uh, what is it? November 5th. So I'm, I'm about 45, maybe 50 days out. And when you know it, you know, a handful of days after leaving that company and, you know, having absolutely an identity crisis, I started concepting fuck it all. And I, I did an Instagram post and I, I wrote a piece about it, but it, my coach and dear friend um, here in Atlanta, she said, I said, you know, the idea of creating excites me. If I say that word, I get, I get energized, but the idea of building, it causes me to shut down. It terrifies me. And she said, then stop creating is for yourself. Building is for some external expectation. And so when I think about what it all means for me right now, it means that I am actively creating for no end state. I am just doing it for myself. And yes, there may hit a point in time where, you know, the bills have to be paid and, and my lovely husband says, go get a paying job. But my hope is that by being me, my, my two values, if, you know, um, I think Brené Brown tells you, you have to break it down to two. Um, mine are honesty or authenticity, those interchange and to be known. And so if I can, my, it all is to be myself and be known for that. And I have found that by in doing that, I have just been flooded with um, so many stories of women. Honestly, I, I announced the podcast. I sent it to my network of just you know personal friends, family, net you know colleagues here in Atlanta and beyond. And I instantly had at least fifty stories, and that to me shows that we need representation. Because for me, I looked at those around me, and I didn't see people having these honest conversations. And so as I was. Um, as I was going through my journey, I felt super alone. I felt blackout depressed. I felt like a failure. I felt like my parents would think I'm stupid for giving away financial security. And I would disappoint them because all their hopes and dreams had been on me, you know, getting this, this certain kind of life. And my husband wouldn't love me the same. And these were all stories I was making up in my head. And the truth is, is even if they felt that way, I'm going to hurt someone. I'm going to hurt them or I'm going to hurt myself. And at the end of the day, the relationship with myself, I, I was doing this exercise the other day. If you had to stack rank, you know, woman, sister, friend, mother, wife, how would I do it? And I felt guilty for a second because mother and wife didn't fall first, but I actually put woman first because I am me first. And none of those other things work if I'm not in touch with who I am. So I'm woman first, I'm mother second, I am wife third. Um, I am friend, activist, sister, and I don't mean sister just by blood because I've got lots of them that are, you know, my sisterhood is, is big and, um, 
daughter is in there, but, but self is first. And I think that as women, that's something we struggle with because just put yourself first. Um, I, uh, you know, selflessness is one of the biggest compliments historically that we've been able to get as women and how awful that in order for us to be seen as the, the, the all being woman, that we have to be selfless, that to care for yourself, to invest in yourself, to put yourself first is seen as a flaw. I know I look at my daughter and yeah, I want her to be kind and compassionate and empathetic, but I want her to care about herself because you know what, if she doesn't, nobody else will. And the way we treat ourselves is the bare minimum that other people will treat us. And so if you treat yourself like shit, you better believe others will too. And um, my hope is that this podcast is representation. It's representation of not just me. Um, listen, I'm a white woman, highly educated, privileged, live in Metro um, City, uh, you know, cis relationship, um, have a daughter, been able to have children. I want to hear from women who are women of color, who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. I want to hear from women who um, chose not to have children or get married, or maybe can't. Um, God, that's a journey that within itself that I know so many women. And I want to hear, I want to hear the ugly because we are all just getting through this thing called life. Right. Um, and I would hate for my daughter to not, to not be any of the things that I am and feel like she is a failure. So I'm doing this for her. She's my why you'll hear me talk about her a lot. I'm doing this for every time I have sat in bed, blackout depressed, because I felt like a failure, even when I wasn't. And I'm doing it because I desperately need accountability. And by telling you all my story, I'm hopeful that um, I will feel like I'm part of something bigger than me. And, you know, uh, this is the week of the U.S. elections. Um, being a mother made me an activist. We'll have a whole session on that later. Um, but we're all part of, you know, this we are all part of something bigger. And I think that, you know, to, to recognize that a mindset of abundance versus scarcity, if we all recognize that we, we can be abundant with our love, with our care, with our views. Um, I just, I wonder what world we leave for our kids. So I've rambled, but I hope have given you some context into to who I am. We've jumped a lot around a lot. I won't lie. I had, you know, probably three cups of very caffeinated coffee. I'm wearing some silver snakeskin boots. I had to like channel some good energy up in here. Um, I am so grateful for everything you guys are letting me build and everything that you're going along with. Um, this is Casey Let Gordon. I am the host and the guest of today's Fuck It All podcast. This is a place where modern women talk about redefining what it means to have it all. I'm grateful you're here and I'll see you next time.